Well, good morning, OCC family. It's so good to worship with you this morning, and welcome to all of our guests who are joining us for the first time. Uh, I am so excited today because we're in week two of our series, Pray First, and I thought we'd get things started by uh, sharing a family story that I have, just a great memory that I have from growing up. Uh, I have a lot of great memories from growing up as a kid, but one of my favorite memories is taking an annual ski trip with my family. So just about every year from when I was 12 to 16 years old, my family would load up in our family SUV and head out to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Now, I was born and raised in Oklahoma City, so the drive from OKC to Santa Fe really isn't that far. It's about eight hours. Uh, So if we left on a Wednesday afternoon or even a Thursday afternoon, we'd have the entire weekend for great skiing. Now, we'd always go around spring break. So when we got to the mountain, uh, the weather was a little bit warmer, but there was still enough snow to ski about 90% of the slopes. Now, with about eight inches of snowfall on average during spring break and you know, maybe during the month of March, the slopes could take a lot of abuse. But I always notice a change on the slopes from day one of skiing until the last day that we were skiing. So some of the slopes that were once covered in snow just a day or two uh, prior were now starting to wear down, uh, really down to the ground. So these ski slopes, they can only take so much abuse uh, from skiers before the snow is worn all the way down to the ground. So much abuse from the pounding against the packing down of snow. And the reason I tell you this story is because I think it's a good illustration for life. You know, when you're being pressed down by anger, when you're being pressed down by worry, fear, or, or shame, or when you're going through a difficult life storm, you, know, you can only take so much before you eventually wear down. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus shares these words. He says, always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. I believe Jesus is contrasting two things in this verse, uh, prayer and discouragement. Always pray and never give up. I think we're always doing one or the other. For example, if you're praying, you're depending on God. You're relying on God. You're not giving up. But if you're giving up, chances are you're not praying. You know, right now, we're all worshiping together online because of this global pandemic. In fact, this morning, there are millions of Christians all over the world who are doing exactly what we're doing. And while this isn't ideal, I've actually seen a lot of good come out of this. I've seen God work in some some pretty amazing ways. I've seen families spending more time with one another. Heard some great stories, some funny stories from families here in our own church. I've seen neighbors and heard stories of neighbors serving each other well. And even our own church family, we're finding some unique ways to continue to connect with each other online. You know, I think a lot of people are still wondering during this time, how do we get through a season like this? Even though there's been certainly a lot of positive and we can recognize the good that is coming out of this. I think a lot of people are wondering, how do we get through a season like this? Or maybe you take a step back and you say, how do we get through any one of life's storms? I believe the answer to that question is prayer. We get through life with prayer. So how do we pray? Well, thankfully, Jesus gave us a model of prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a model of prayer that Jesus shared with some of the early disciples. Now, he shared it with them. It's not a prayer that Jesus prayed himself. It was intended for the disciples. So you could probably more accurately title this the Disciples' Prayer. But we've come to know it as the Lord's Prayer. 
And this prayer is, is often recited in churches. It's often recited at, at Christian gatherings. But there's so much more to this prayer than just repeating the words, reciting it word for word. Jesus provided this model of prayer really as an outline for the believer to teach us how to pray, to teach us how to pray in a way that connects us to God and empowers us to live the life that God has called us to live. You know, really the overarching theme or the overarching purpose of the Lord's Prayer is to glorify God's name and to teach us how to ask for God's help in accomplishing his will in our lives here on earth. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, this is a verse that we looked at last week. We see the disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. And at first glance, this doesn't really seem like that big of a deal until you begin to understand the context behind the question they were asking. See, the disciples were already very familiar with prayer. It was part of their culture. It was ingrained in the way that they were raised. Um, they likely prayed often and were around others who prayed often as well, both privately and publicly. So why do they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray? Well, the disciples had been observing Jesus up close. They had a front row seat to the miracles of Jesus. They had a front row seat to the way that Jesus taught with power and with authority. They had a front row seat to the way Jesus loved and had compassion for others. They, they had a front row seat to the way Jesus prayed. See, they understood that the way Jesus prayed was different from anything they'd ever seen or experienced. And there was always amazing results. So I believe the disciples were motivated by Jesus's prayer life. They wanted to learn how to pray like Jesus so they too could experience God's power in their own lives. Now, as we're going to talk about today, the value in the Lord's Prayer isn't in memorizing and reciting it word for word. That's really not the purpose. The value of the Lord's Prayer is in using it as a model for our own prayer life, for our own conversations with God, learning to connect with him relationally on a, on a consistent basis praising his name, asking for his will to be done in our lives, requesting what we need, confessing sin and receiving forgiveness. You know, like Jesus's early disciples, I believe that we too can learn from his example and from the model of prayer that he shared with us. In the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verses 16 through 18, we read these words. It says, always be joyful, Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You know, anytime we talk about prayer, I, I think it's good for us to be reminded that prayer should always be our first choice. It should never be our last resort. Prayer should always be our first choice. It should never be our last resort. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, again, another verse that we looked at last week. This is the verse that leads directly into the Lord's Prayer. This verse begins with these words. This then is how you should pray. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Notice that he never said, this is what you should pray. He said, this is how you should pray. Again, I think it's good for us to be reminded that uh, prayer... And more specifically, the Lord's Prayer was never intended to be a magic wand, something that we wave around in hopes that our circumstances change to whatever we want them to be. It's also not a religious ritual, something that we recite and repeat word for word. 
It's meant to be a model of prayer. And we need to learn this model because I believe it addresses everything that we need in this life. See, we learn the model of the Lord's Prayer so that we can learn how to pray and so that we can learn what to pray for. So I'd like for us to begin this morning by reading the Lord's Prayer out loud together. So if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 9 through 13, or you're welcome to follow along on the screen. But I want to encourage you this morning uh, to read this aloud with me today. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'd like for you to think about the Lord's Prayer um, really as a pathway that's made up of different steps. So it's a pathway made up of different steps. And each one of these steps will lead you to a closer relationship with God. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first step is this. Connect with God relationally. Connect with God relationally. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 says, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. So this first phrase is all about connecting with God relationally by remembering who he is and how much he loves you. You know, God has never been interested in people simply practicing religion. In fact, I would say Jesus did not go to the cross for religion. Instead, he desires a relationship with you. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, we read these words. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. Today, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you've been adopted into the family of God. And God is your heavenly Father. It also reminds us that uh, prayer should never start with what we need. It should always start with who God is. I think that's so important for us to remember anytime we go to the Lord in prayer, that it should never start with what we need. It should always start with who God is. God is our caring, consistent, compassionate, and close heavenly father. In the book of Ephesians chapter three, uh, verses 17 through 19, we read these words. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, friends, when we go to our Heavenly Father in prayer, we can be reminded that his love is so great that it can never be fully understood. There's really no end to it. God's love is long enough uh, to last forever. His love is wide enough to embrace you exactly as you are today. And we're thankful for God's grace that he doesn't leave us that way. His love is deep enough to pull you out of your deepest despair. And his love is high enough to forgive even your greatest offense. 
I believe God wants us to experience this kind of love. And, and we do so, one of the ways we do so is by connecting with him in prayer. We experience this kind of love when we go to God in prayer by remembering who he is and how much he loves us. He's our heavenly father. And I believe we should begin our prayers by connecting with God relationally. That's the model that we're given in the Lord's prayer. Step number two, if you're taking notes this morning, is this. Uh, worship his name. Worship his name. Uh, so Matthew chapter six, verse nine continues. It says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. So this second phrase really is all about focusing our prayers on the right things as we tell God how much we love him. So we've already seen in that, that first step that God is our heavenly father, how much he loves us. Now we have the opportunity to worship him and to tell him how much we love him. And this is really what worship is all about. And it's what Jesus meant when he said, hallowed be your name. So before we ask God of anything, I believe we need to spend a few moments in worship, focusing on God instead of focusing on our problems. See, we worship God for who he is and for what he's done. We know that God is our creator. He made us and he's worthy to be worshiped because of that. God is our heavenly father. He loves us. He's our savior. He forgives our sins and sets us apart to live for him. God is our shepherd. He speaks to us, but he also leads us and guides our lives. And God is our peace. He's able to give us a kind of peace that the world cannot take away. God is our refuge and our strength. He's always a present help in times of trouble. And God is our provider. We're going to look at this in a little bit, but the Bible tells us that he promises to supply all our needs. You know, in fact, in every book of the Bible, you can find a name for God, and with that is a reminder that he is everything that we could ever need in this life. That God's names remind us about who he is and about what he's done. So when we learn uh, to speak his name out loud, to worship him for who he is and for what he's done, uh, we're actually reminded about how powerful and how great our God truly is. In the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 107, verse 15, we read these words, let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. You know, prayer should begin by connecting with God relationally, remembering who he is and how much he loves us. But we should also spend time worshiping his name. I want to encourage you anytime you go to the Lord in prayer to spend some time worshiping God for who he is and for what he's done in your life. This helps us to stay focused on the right things, especially as, as we move uh, through the model of the Lord's Prayer. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Step number three, if you're taking notes, uh, pray his agenda first. Pray God's agenda first. So Matthew chapter six, verse 10, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, part of being a follower of Jesus uh, means learning to, to care about and value the things that, that God cares about and, and values. It's also about offering our lives to be used by God for his purposes, not our own. I love the quote by a guy by the name of Robert Law. This quote says this, prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will, will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. Let me repeat that this morning. Prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. 
you know, this verse in the Lord's Prayer really is a declaration of cooperation on our part as well as surrender. It's a declaration of cooperation and surrender. When you say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you're saying, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. We know that God's plans are always better than our own. Sometimes we don't live that way, but I think if you were honest this morning, you would say, yeah, I believe God's plans are always better than my own. So this part of the Lord's prayer is really about aligning our lives with his will, aligning our lives with his plans. You know, knowing God's will and knowing what his plans are for our lives, I believe that always starts with prayer. It starts with connecting with God. So when life is tough, and it's certainly tough right now for many people, when life brings difficult seasons and we don't have the answers for what's going on, we can be confident as Christians that God is always good, that his plans are always good, and that he's always watching out for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know, submitting your life to God's plan and purpose um, is not just a one-time event. I think we get this backwards sometimes. I think a lot of people believe that uh, at some point in your life, you make a decision to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus, and then you're baptized into Christ, and that's all she wrote. That's the end of it. But following Jesus is a daily decision. Friends, it's a daily commitment. Every single day, our lives should be submitted to, to God's will, to his plan and purpose for our life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 uh, says it best. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You know, friends, God wants us to lay aside our own desires, our own plans, and our own will on a daily basis so that we can faithfully follow him and do the things that he wants us to do. And as we do that, we're going to find that becomes our desire as well. This means our entire lives are given for his purpose. I think about finances. You know, there's a reason that Jesus talked more about money than anything else. I think it's maybe one of those things that tends to divide us the most. But when it comes to finances and how we're called to steward the things that God has given us, we should lay these down before God and say, Lord, I want your purpose, your will to be done in my life in this area. I think with our jobs too, whether it's the, the specific job we're taking or how we're working, you know, the Bible tells us to work as though we were working for the Lord. It doesn't matter what we're doing. We should work as though we were working for the Lord. I would say all of our relationships, uh, your marriage, the relationships you have with your kids, with friends, with parents, you know, even the, the current plans that we have in this life and future plans, all of those things should be laid down and given over to God and say, God, I want your will to be done in my life. So to pray this, this part of the Lord's prayer, really the model that it shows your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven is to offer your whole life to God. It's to recognize there is no better plan on this earth than his. You know, when you pray for God's will to be done in your life, I want to encourage you to spend some time praying about the things that you already know that God cares about. And we learn this through his word. We know that God cares about the lost. 
He's concerned about uh, saving those who are lost. And I think that should be our heart and mind as well. We should be praying for people who don't yet know Christ. We know that in God's word, he tells us that he wants us to have his wisdom and not the world's. That we should be guided by his Holy Spirit and not by our own sinful desires. You know, I think this is a great season to be praying for wisdom for our own lives and for others. Uh, People who are in positions of authority. You know, I think about parents who are at home right now. You know, the kids aren't in school. A lot of parents are uh, laid off of work or they're at home 24-7. And I'll be the first to say, you know, my kids are a blessing. They are a blessing and I, and I love spending time with them. Uh, but I think we'd all agree that 24-7, uh, that's a lot. We need God's wisdom. We need God's guidance in those times. Uh, pray for spiritual leaders in your life and people who work in, in government positions. That's something we're going to be praying about as a church uh, this week in our weekly prayer guide. And then pray for your your bosses at work, you know, the people who are in positions of authority. Pray that we'd be able to accomplish God's will and God's purpose in and through our lives. This is also a good time to open God's word. Sometimes when we don't know what to pray, it's best to open God's word, uh, read God's word, and just pray God's word. Because you can be certain of this. When you're praying God's word, you're praying God's will. When you're praying God's word, you're praying God's will. So pray his agenda first. Step number four, if you're taking notes this morning. Number four, depend on him for everything. Depend on God for everything. Matthew chapter six, verse 11, we read these words. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. You know, this fourth step is all about trusting God to meet all your needs. It's about depending on him for everything. When Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, he's encouraging us to live with total dependence upon the Father. So at this point in the Lord's Prayer, you've recognized that God is your heavenly Father who loves you. You've told God that you love him and you've spent some time worshiping him for who he is and for what he's done, thanking him for these things. And you've surrendered your life to his will. And now you're ready to bring him your requests, the things that you need in life. Now, God's word is very clear that we can pray about anything and everything. We can pray about everything. God cares even about the smallest of details in your life. You can talk to him about the challenges that you're going through right now, the things that you're facing, the needs that you have, and things that are pressing you down, things like fear, worry, anxiety. I would say if, if, if you're feeling anxious, it's time to pray. You know, if you're worried about something, it's time to pray. When Jesus said, give us today our daily bread, that bread that he's referring to represents everything that we need in this life. That daily bread includes our emotional needs. It includes our spiritual needs and even our physical needs. In the book of Philippians chapter four, verse 19, we read these words. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I think it's important to note at this point in the message that God promises to always provide for our needs, not our greeds. Let me say that again. God promises to always provide for our needs, not our our greeds. You know, we read a verse like this, or it's easy to take other things in scripture and have it fit whatever we want it to fit. It's easy to take things out of context. Um, But when we read this, it's important to understand that's not what he's saying here. 
It's important to begin prayer by connecting with God relationally, worshiping his name and praying his agenda because this aligns our lives with his will. And then we're able to go to God with our requests. Again, it's okay to request things in prayer. Matthew chapter 21 verse 22 reminds us that we can pray about anything. Think of it in these terms. Think of it this way. You know, no loving parent and would ever give their children everything that they asked for. I mean, that would be foolish. That, that would even be dangerous in some situations. I mean, my kids have asked for some pretty crazy things. Uh, I was watching a movie with my oldest son the other day, and um, there was a sword in the movie. And he's like, Dad, you know, I really want to have a sword like that. I've got to have a sword like that. Now, what if I gave him everything that he asked for? I mean, that, that's pretty dangerous at this point in his life. A 10-year-old doesn't need, you know, a real movie prop sword There's no telling what kind of damage you would do with that. A loving parent gives their children what they need. And that's the promise. That's what we see throughout God's word is that he promises to always meet our needs, to provide for our needs, but not our greeds. You know, learning to trust God and learning to depend on God's provision in our lives um, is a process. It's a journey. It certainly doesn't happen overnight. And I found in my own life that it's actually helpful uh, when you're struggling with this to look back on the seasons where you've recognized how God has provided for your needs, to remember how God has proven himself faithful. Uh, This always helps me in trusting God in the present. You know, I've been a follower of Jesus since 2001. I can remember like it was yesterday um, when I chose to believe in Jesus and make the decision to be baptized into Christ. And in my 19 years as a believer, um, God has never not followed through with a promise. So personally, I'm learning every single day how to depend on him more and more. Again, it's a journey. I'm learning how to trust him uh, in every area of my life. Now, I understand that this can be a lot to take in. You know, there's a lot of great truth packed into the Lord's Prayer. And that's why we're going to take two weeks Uh, to go deep into this this model of prayer. But my hope and my prayer today is that this message would encourage you throughout the week, especially as we learn to develop a prayer life. You know, God doesn't want us to just pray more. That's not the end goal. God wants us to develop a prayer life. The Lord's Prayer is a model of prayer that's meant to lead you to a closer relationship with your Heavenly Father. So number one, connect with him relationally. Remember that as the first thing every time you pray. Remember, he's your heavenly father who loves you. Connect with him relationally. Uh, Spend time worshiping his name. So before you ask anything of God, spend a few moments worshiping, uh, focusing on who God is and, and what he's done, giving him thanks for those things. Third, pray his agenda first. You know, we have needs and, and God certainly wants to meet those needs. But when we Uh, submit our lives to his plan, to his purposes. Um, We're reminded that his plans are always better than our own. And it really helps us pray the right things. It helps us pray God's will and his plan and his desire for our lives. And number four, depend on him for everything. It's a lot easier said than done. Um, But I'm gonna be praying for you this week that uh, that's something that God would begin to help you learn how to do. Depend on him for everything. He's promised to meet all your needs. So trust him today as your perfect provider. Well, church family, I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about the weeks to come and uh, excited about next week as we look at the second half of uh, Pray First and this this message, uh, Lord, teach us to pray.